Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself. And your host for the evening, Mr. J. R. Stigler. Yeah. Where from periodically you'll find not only help, hotline numbers, tips, advice, 
safety plans, amongst a lot of other things. But also we have another line that is there that is called Destiny by Choice 2. That's on Facebook. That is our drama-free social media page where we deal with hope, healing. We deal with inspiration. We deal with praise. We deal with the word. We deal with all those things that are uh, very instrumental in increasing our capacity as far as individuals and being able to encourage one another. Those are the two pages that you can reach us. And I want to also mind, remind you of a Harlem World, Palm Beach page there, where you can see some of the great work that N.D. Harlem does. She's the one who uh, actually maintains our page out there. So those are the ways that you can reach us by way of Facebook and other things. But tonight is a night that as we are now on the first Monday night in the month of October, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, aren't you glad that we're doing this year-round, that we don't wait on a month to do it? But because this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we thought it not robbery to really deal with some real serious, serious subject matter. We believe that you do overcome by the words of your testimony, uh, you know, by uh, you deal with the words of your testimony, and by that which you have overcome with. And so we have testimonies that come forth on this uh, month. We're going to have compelling guests and compelling stories that are going to be happening on this month. But most of all, we want to unpack the issue of domestic violence. We want to talk about what is it that we can do to move on and move forth, and what better way to do so than to talk to those who have moved on and moved forth. We want to talk about other strategies. We want to talk about the community. How do they become involved, whether it be the church or whether or not it be other organizations, how do we get in contact with our resources? How do we know who's out there to help us? And most of all, how do we educate and empower a whole group of people who may not really recognize how severe the issue of domestic violence is in our society? So having said that, there's a number of things I want to do today and tonight to come forth and do so. But tonight I want to invite a very special guest that is on tonight on this particular show. And I'm inviting her on because of the fact not only does she have a very compelling story, but I think that you will find out inside of it that her pain has been turned into power after going through not one but a multiple relationship abuse. But she's alive to tell the story. And so tonight's topic is dedicated tonight. This topic tonight is surviving domestic violence and living to tell about it. That is what tonight is about, surviving domestic violence and living to tell about it. So with that being said tonight, I want to take the time to welcome to our Soul of America Radio Network uh, not other than Maciel Steele. Let's give her a hand as she comes, and we welcome her tonight inside of our time together. Well, good evening. Good evening. Uh, I'm so glad to have you on tonight with us, and I'm so glad that you have uh, have agreed to share uh, such a powerful and compelling story, a very compelling story about uh, your life and what you've gone through. And I would say to people that don't know you, that have not met you whatsoever and everything, that uh, they would not know your story if they looked at you today. They would not be able to identify and say you went through any of the stuff that you're about to share with us because here it is, uh, you're a very determined woman today, beautiful woman today, uh, confident woman today, and that wasn't always the case with you, and you had some real serious um uh, abusive relationship that you were in that if it wasn't for by, by the grace of God, you might not be here today to share it. And so with that being said, I definitely want to invite uh, everyone that's listening and everyone out there uh, to welcome you and, um, and please share with them 
how did this journey start? And you can share it, start with the story that uh, that uh, I know that was very much of a uh, vice in your life, if I, if I could say that. So please share with our audience at this time. Amen, Pastor. Um, it's truly an honor and a privilege um, to be able to um, share my testimony um, on this evening. Um, just to give a little bit of my background, um, 10 years old, uh, my mom became addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, so most of my, well, all of my child, well, most of my childhood, my mom, well, both of my parents were addicted to crack cocaine and um, just going from having everything to having nothing at all, going from living in a three-bedroom home, having your own room, to sharing a three-bedroom home with about 15 other adults, and everyone uh, had some form of addiction. And so um, by the time I was 19, I had already had given birth uh, to two children, and I was just tired of living, um, you know, in the circumstances that I was living in, you know, not having very much. Sometimes the lights would be turned off. And uh, I met a gentleman, and he was very nice to me. Um, He said all the right words, did all the right things. Um, He was about maybe six years older than I was. Um, We moved in. Uh, with each other. Um, The abuse didn't start right away. Um, But once we moved in with each other, I would say about five months later, that's when the abuse started. And um, he would be verbally verbally abusive, uh, physically, mentally. Um, He would get very upset if I wouldn't share um, stories of me being intimate with other men, um, if I refused to answer the questions or even uh, share the story, he would, he became very angry and he wanted to, it was almost like he was trying to kill me. He would bash me in my face. So one of the very first um, incidents was based on me not wanting to share such intimate details with him about another man. It made me very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. So let's look. Now, here's the situation as you describe it here, and it sounds like it starts very tragically, the fact that at 10 years old you're dealing with addiction not only from your mother but from your father. And drug addiction is one of those major vices in our society that have really hurt, have destroyed so many families. And here you are at 10 years old. Now you're seeing your life change before you tremendously. A lifestyle that yes. you've grown accustomed to has been taken away, and you can't do a thing about it because you're a child. And so yes. as that go on, it would it be safe to say that you found yourself trying to, you know, looking for love, maybe reaching out, trying to find love, and, you know, perhaps in all the wrong places. And you end up with a gentleman who is uh, – uh, six years older than you, but let me ask you, mm-hmm. what is it that attracted you to him? Uh, because he was very nice. He was he was generous. Um, there was nothing that um, he wouldn't do for me. Whatever whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted to do, wherever I wanted to go, it was at my disposal. 
even going on shopping sprees. Mm -hmm. So let me ask Mm -hmm. you a question. Did in many ways did he kind of replace what your parents might have used to do uh, before things turned south? Or did he become type of that person who now had become almost your provider and your protector? Um, I would say both. Um, I thought I thought he was my everything because he took very good care of me. I thought I thought he was the best thing that had happened to me in a very long time, and um, I didn't want to lose that. And um, he 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 brought stability. He brought stability to my life. Um, he would take. He would even take my my younger brother shopping. Um, he would even like one thing that draw that draw me closer to him is when he came in and revamped our whole house. He re he furnished it off new furniture from head to toe, front to back. Everything. Now this new, had to be curtains, impressive. Very impressive. So this is impressive because you're talking about you're very young. About this time you're 19 years old, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, here's a person who's not only coming in and taking care of you, but they're doing a lot of perks for the family. A lot of things are going on. I mean, he's showing all the signs that we we generally tell our uh, young ladies to look for in somebody, someone who's responsible, someone who loves you. And so all the things mm-hmm. that was happening there, you didn't see any sign of uh, a possible abusive nature at all at the time because every need seemingly was being met. Uh, as you said, it brought stability in, in the midst of a chaotic home that you were in. Mm-hmm. And so now there, there's two children. You have two children. So there, to a certain degree, definitely this was a welcome help. And then you move in together. And this is the part Correct. that I want to make sure that our visitors, uh, should I say our listeners, are hearing. Uh, because now you move in together and it takes on a different flavor. Because mm-hmm. now it's not a matter of him just coming over and visiting. You now move in together, and mm-hmm. there begin to be, first of all, some early warning signs as far as verbally uh, aggressive abuse, but then you talked about the fact he became very uh, abusive physically. And one thing right. I wanted to point out that you talked about that I think is so important is that here was a case where a person became angry with you the real the real uh i guess the real first uh, aggressive abuse happened because you refused to share intimate details of, of sexual intimacy that you had had with someone else prior to him Correct. and because you wouldn't share he began to beat you Mhm. yes um one of the i can say one of the first signs um of him being so controlling was um, I could only wear whatever he laid out on the bed for me to wear. And he would do this every day before he went to work. Um, I was a housewife. I The only thing I had to do was make sure the house was clean and the children were taken care of. Um, my house had to be spotless. Came home and I left the dish towel, you know, the towel I used to clean the dishes with, in the sink, oh, he would get crazy. He would be belligerent, you know, throwing things and screaming. This is going to cause roaches. I don't need all kind of ants and bugs. He would be very upset, very upset. And I remember one time he grabbed me by my neck and pushed my head down in the sink 
I was like, how hard is it for you to remove the towel and put it underneath the sink for it to dry on the on the shelf that I put underneath it? Everything. So he shows the it signs a, of almost being, uh, uh, you know, obsessive uh, compulsion disorder in some sense of the yes. word because anything that was out of place, it just really, uh, really uh, ticked him the wrong way, and he became more yes. aggressive is what I'm hearing. Yes. And so I want to just make this point here because I, you're, you're sharing something that I think that the audience need to hear. Here's a case mm-hmm. that everything looked great on the surface. Everything sounded great on the surface. And in many ways, watch this, he bought you things. Things were laid out mm-hmm. for you. And for those that oftentimes mm-hmm. when there is already a deficit and there was a void, and there was a void in your life that came from even the fact of the dysfunctionality that was going on in, in the nuclear family, he fills this void in many ways. He becomes almost mm-hmm. a knight in shining armor because right. basically he's rescued you. And I think it's safe to say that oftentimes that when people are experiencing, whether it's trauma, loss, hurt, rejection, those type things there, oftentimes when they're running, they're running, they're not just running uh, uh, to something, they're running from something. And in this case, mm-hmm. you're running from what you dealt. And so everything looked very much on the surface great because surely even when he was dressing you, so to speak, and laying out the mm-hmm. clothes, that was, you said that was really the first sign that you began to recognize that maybe this is controlling. And I, and I think right. that's important for our audience that is listening to understand that abuse doesn't always look like a, a, a fist, although that's possible and that does happen. But when we start seeing controlling behavior, manipulation, deciding what you're going to wear, where you're going to wear mm-hmm. it, who you're going to be around and all those things, isolating you from people, that is a major sign of abuse. Yes, continue. I, I, I didn't, while I was in it, I thought, I thought he was taking care of me. I thought he was loving me, you know, by laying out my clothing and, you know, even down to the littlest detail of how to wear my makeup and my hair, you know, I thought I was special. I didn't recognize it as, uh, um, you know, a sign of abuse until I was out of it. Oh, gosh. Um, even to my shoe, the shoes that I wore, even with the children. Um, there was a limit to how many people could come over and visit. I was isolated from my family. Um, I was limited to a certain amount of calls a day. Um, sometimes I would be confined to the house until he got off from work. Um, there was a lot. So this was ultimate control that was happening. And for those that are listening today, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and our special guest tonight is Macy L. Steele. And as she's sharing a very compelling story about abuse that she survived, tonight's show is about surviving domestic violence and living to tell about it. And so inside of the case here, you're talking about abuse that started very early on. And I think it's very important that people understand that that uh, females between the ages of, of actually between the ages of 15 and 24 have the greatest uh, level of abuse and occurrences, but definitely across the lifespan of between the ages of 15 and 44, which are very, very pivotal years for any female. It is the years of, of formation, becoming a woman. It's the years of, of everything there, and that's the time that abuse is most prevalent. And here, here you found yourself in a situation where he was a person who basically you had become also economically dependent upon because he was the one that worked. He's the one that provided. He's the one mm-hmm. that took care of everything. And therefore, mm-hmm. the, the, the very thought of leaving him had not entered your mind. 
And so Correct. as you, as you went on inside of this abuse and realized that it was abuse or everything, what what became what became really that um that point that really made you start thinking that I need to get out of this? Well, that didn't happen until very um much later on, uh years down the line because you still I, I'm still looking at how he would go off to work and then on payday he would take a hundred dollars of his own pay and lay the rest on the table for myself for me to do as I please. Um, that's how he kept me there. Um, from from you know, me coming from my sister and I sharing a wardrobe between each other to me having something different to wear every day of the week, something new to wear every day of the week if I wanted to. I was not ready to give that up. I was just hoping that he would change. He would say he was sorry. He would promise that he would change. It would last for maybe two weeks, and he was back at it again. The abuse would start again. Did he ever apologize, um, or did he ever call it a uh, – did he, did he ever apologize at all, or was this something that was just simply – always your fault the reason that he did it apologize sometimes but it was always my fault or he would go and buy he would go and buy me something new he would he went as far as buying purchasing me a car um um also what we had a very big fight um on this particular night um he wanted me to have sex with another woman so I didn't want to have sex with this other woman nor did I want her to touch me and it was a problem so here I am I'm so afraid that he's going to kill me that he's going to beat beat the crap out of me as usual just pound you know he will just be pounding his fist in my face I will have black eyes busted lips bruises you know he would whoop me with a belt but on this particular night um, he ended up, it was a very big fight. It was a very big fight. Um, you know, he would, he slung me all over the living room. The lamps got broken. Blood was everywhere. The neighbors called the police. And here I am, I'm crying and I'm scared. Um, he had even kicked me in my face. He always wore high tech boots. Now these boots are the boots that, um, the correctional officers, or the police officers normally wear to work. He wow. took his foot and he kicked me in my face with those boots, and I was out. Um, I came to with the paramedics standing over me, and here I am in tears, and I'm steady telling them, you know, nothing happened. No, he didn't hit me. We just had an argument, and they could see the blood everywhere. I'm begging them not to take him to the police. So now, let me I mean, take him to jail. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, and this is for the sake of those that are listening, because I'm quite sure someone's asking this question. Mm-hmm. Why were you afraid for him to go to jail? Because I knew once he got out he, that he was going to beat me again. So it was. It really was the uh, the presumed even greater danger that would happen as a result of the right. police getting involved. And that's so very important inside of that because a lot of times people think, well, why don't they just call the police? And oftentimes Mm -hmm. the the option is not there for a number of reasons, and uh, that is so important. 
You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey of Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us here tonight on this uh, Soul of America Radio Network. Our special guest tonight is Miss Macy L. Steele, and uh, she is sharing a very compelling story of her, her surviving domestic violence and living to tell about it, one that's quite compelling, one that actually had its root inside of a lot of other dysfunctions. And one of the things I want to say before we take a break and come back is that a lot of time people don't understand or they wonder how do people end up in an abusive relationship. No one chooses to get in an abusive relationship. There are so many different conditions and factors that contribute to this type of thinking. One of them, not the least of them, is the fact that people have a need to be needed, wanting to be desired, wanting to feel special, wanting to feel like they're significant. And oftentimes that want and that need is even widened and is even broadened when there are other dysfunctions going on in our lives. And so for many, it is filling a void. You know, maybe that that love of that person paying that attention, maybe it's so smothering at first that because we needed it so much, we didn't know that it was smothering. We did not know that it was control. And oftentimes our lenses don't adjust until much later. And that happens in so many cases. And as you have shared tonight, uh, some very uh, powerful things that was your circumstances surrounding even uh, your childhood and definitely played a part in this. When we return, I want you to, I want you to pick up where you left off because I think it's very compelling so, compelling so that people understand the fact that what was the turning point? I mean, there were you were beaten to the point of uh, knocked out unconscious, and yet it's still after coming back into you did not want him to be arrested. So let's pick up there when we come back and listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, and we'll be right back right after this radio commercial break. is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the 
soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. And I'm so very glad that you join us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Uh, and we are here uh, with our caller, uh, Maciel, and I think her, uh, we may just have lost her on the line, and she's going to be back with us, uh, and we'll get her back in. But what a compelling story because of the fact of she's sharing some real s- struggles that happen inside of her young life and the things that contributed to it. And so often, and one of the things that we generally talk about as we're talking and waiting on her to come back on the line is the fact that many things, we talk about domestic violence being a learned behavior, but we also talk about the conditions and the environment that also contribute to these type of issues, these type of things. Domestic violence is never just between the two individuals, the man and the woman or whoever that's involved in it. Whenever there are children, whenever there are family members, they are also impacted by this degree of violence. And so this degree of violence is very far-reaching. This degree of violence is not only far-reaching, but this degree of violence is impactful in many ways. It causes ones to make decisions based upon the less of two evils rather than what is good. It shapes the way that we see things. It shapes our choices. It shapes our options. And as a result of that, There are many that find themselves in a lifelong, if you would, downward spiral because of choices that have been made inside of domestic violence. Once again, no one is choosing to be in an abusive relationship. It is something that happens to them, and and it's something that we must begin to address and must begin to eradicate inside of our lives. So it forces us uh, to all make some very, very, uh, big decisions about our choices and the things that we do. I'm waiting on Macy L. I think she is back on. I, if I recognize this number, this is correct. So let's see if we can get her back on the line today. Are you with us? Yes, I'm Are you there? Okay, yes, thank you so very much. We lost you temporarily, but we have you back on the line here inside of it. So we, we left off, and we're talking about now that, that turning point. I mean, you you was out unconscious, but, you know, when you come back into uh, – Still, there was this need to not want him arrested, and continue from there. What what happened after that that kind of led you uh, to where you eventually got to, and that was out of it? Well, me leaving um, didn't still didn't happen until years later. Even after that, uh, I think I was more afraid of him. I think I was more afraid of losing the lifestyle. You know that I was accustomed to rather than uh, him going to jail, or if I could say that. I mean, I didn't want him to go to jail because I know he would beat beat the crap out of me once he got out, but I wasn't ready to leave because I didn't want to lose what I had. So it was years later. The abuse continued. Um, I've been raped by him. I've been forced to have sex with him in front of um, his guy friends while they would 
uh, videotape the sexual encounter. And these guys that were doing the recording, they were as young as like 14 years old. So on top of him being an abuser, he was kind of perverted too. And uh, I was forced to take nude pictures. I was forced to have sex, still forced to have sex, you know, after that encounter. Um, If he presented me with sex with a woman, I would go ahead and indulge in that in fear of him beating the crap out of me. And while it went on, he would record those acts. Um, He went as far as uh, purchasing lingerie for her and I to wear during these during wow. these encounters. Mhm. He even moved her in. He moved her in and called it a live in babysitter. So wow. sometimes sometimes when we went out she would go with us. Sometimes wow. she didn't. She would stay home. Um he even forced me to take these women, you know, maybe about a group of four women forced me to take them out. He would set the appointments with different men throughout our city for them to have sex and they would pay money. So he was pimping them. He was pimping me, wow. beat pimping me to pimp them. Yeah, um, you, you said some very interesting things that I, and I want to definitely, I want to hit on a couple of points there because I think it's important for people to understand there's a part of that where you said that. Listen, it wasn't so much now; it was more it was more or less a real pressure choice for you, because you didn't mm-hmm. want to lose the lifestyle that you had become accustomed to. Right. And that is not totally unusual. Inside of dealing with domestic violence, I often say it's a very complex situation. It's not so easy to say, "Well, I'm just going to get out." There are people that, when they value certain things, they put that value on those things, even sometimes on the same level is not above even their life. It's not unusual, whether uh, it's an older couple who has been together for years, who have accumulated things together. There's those that will endure the abuse because they don't want to lose the lifestyle. In your case here, you were caught between a rock and a hard place. You didn't want to lose the, uh, uh, the lifestyle that you had, but you were but you were definitely, um, if you would, you were definitely exposed to and subject to even greater abuse and humiliation. Mm-hmm. My question mm-hmm. to you is, when did you realize that this totally wasn't love, that now this had became a point where he humiliated you by uh, doing the things that he did, forcing you to uh, uh, even to, to have sex with him while minors were taking uh, a video of it? At one point, At what point to you did you feel and you knew that this is simply not love, that this there's something deeply wrong with this man. Um, it By this time, uh, we had lost our place, our, our, uh, our house, the home that we had lived in. Uh, we were living with his mom, um, but I was in between houses. I was at my house. Or I mean, I mean, um, I'm sorry, at my mom's house, or at his mom's house, and uh, we were trying to work things out. I I was getting I was getting my I guess my power back, taking it back by me not being around him so much, and him having so much access to me because 
my mother's house, and then I would may, maybe come and, you know, spend a few days with him at his mother's house. Um, something happened. I can't remember what the – oh, I, I met a guy. I met a guy. We were only friends. He worked across the street from where my mother lived, and someone had some, a family member one of my family members had um, told him about the guy, and so he lured me to his mother's house knowing knowing what the plans were. Um, the argument was actually over a cell phone, and the guy having my cell phone number. And so um, it was just he and I at the house. This time I was pregnant from him. I think it was about three months pregnant. And he got so upset because the guy ended up calling my phone, but we were only friends. The guy called my phone, and he wanted to know why was the guy calling my phone. It was this uh, this big argument, and I'm begging and pleading with him, you know, not to do it, not to hit me anymore. I'm sorry. I love him. I love you. You know, I love him. I don't want this other guy that we're just friends. And the guy was trying to help me help me get my car fixed, and. uh he had already slapped me around a few times, so I'm just so scared because he has me cornered in this room. I don't know what I'm going to do, but then there was a knock at the door. So he went to go answer the door, and when he went to go answer the door, I snatched the screen out the window, pushed the window up, climbed out the window, and I took off running across the street to a, another neighbor's house. Wow. And that, that, was the, that was the turning point. That was so a turning point. Did mm-hmm. you feel at that point in time, was it a turning point where you felt strengthened, or was it a turning point where you realized, listen, I've got to get out of this, or I'm not going to live to tell about it? It, it was both. I knew, and I knew then that he could never change, and I thought that he was going to kill me if I stayed. There was no point of me even staying, listening to what else he had to say, I just knew that I had to get out. I knew I had to get out while he was at the door. Um, When he came back to the room, he noticed that I was gone because before I could get into the neighbor's house, he was across the street. I was bamming on the door, screaming, please, please help me, somebody help me, let me in. And the lady finally opened the door we're locked up in the house and she's holding me trying to console me and I'm just crying and screaming call the police it was crazy it was crazy on that same day you know me being pregnant he was like maybe it's not even his baby he even kicked me in my stomach the wow. baby didn't even live yeah wow let's bad. take a pause Let's take a pause there. For those that are listening, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Solo America Radio Network. Our special guest tonight that is sharing what a compelling story here is none other than Maciel Steele. And uh, for those of you that just joined us, what a compelling story. And for those of you that are joining, you can always go back and listen to this show. It is in archives here. It will be on less than 30 minutes after we're done. You'll be able to go back and listen to this story 
share this story even with others. But you made some very serious points there, and I want people to understand that you talked about the fact that here you are pregnant. You're pregnant now with this child, and he's going after you, and he's now saying that how does he even know it? He kicks you in your stomach, and this baby did not live. And I think what is important for people to understand is that uh, domestic violence oftentimes increase when a woman becomes pregnant. In many cases, women uh, will attest the first time they was ever physically abused when they became pregnant. When we consider the fact that domestic violence contributes to over uh, to nearly 28 percent for all fetal abnormalities, including birth defects, including miscarriages, and those things, we recognize that this is a very serious subject matter. It is not one that is just once again relegated uh, to just the one individual. This is really serious. Um, uh, matter. This is really serious in terms of what happened. And so here was a case that you were literally put in a position where, um, I mean, not only was your life in danger, but also mm-hmm. the life of that unborn child, and, and, and ultimately it was unfortunately taken inside of this. And so at this mm-hmm. point now, the, 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 the memory of all the things that he had been to you and had done for you is probably a little bit different at this point in time. And so you're yeah. in a place now, neighbors have become involved, uh, others have become involved, and you're trying to find your way out of it. Continue. Um, he was he was later arrested. There were days, it was days before, maybe even we found out um, where he was. Even this incident didn't completely um, end our relationship. Um, I still can continue to communicate with him, but I would not go anywhere with him alone, nor did I visit his his mother's house anymore because it didn't matter to him if she was home or not. He would he would beat me. He would beat me. Um. So um, he ended up moving to Orlando. Um, we said I agreed that I would be that I would work it out. Um. He was he was acting normal. I mean, this went on for a while. Everything was nice. It was beautiful, like it was when we first met. Um, he moved to Orlando, and I and the children were supposed to move to Orlando with him on a later date. But I went um, to visit him. I was up there for a week, and that entire week uh, he abused me. I was raped, I was beaten, I was um, pretty much held hostage. If anyone came over, I was not allowed out of the room. Um, He forced me to do a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, Oh, gosh. Uh, Even bought, he purchased uh, toys, sex toys. And I would have to lay there and have sex with myself while he recorded it, terrified. And I figured out I need to cooperate with him so he won't be so angry so I can get out of here. The only thing that was on my mind was getting back to Palm Beach County. I needed a I needed a plane I needed a train ticket, a bus ticket, and um he would be the only one that could purchase that for me. 
So I promised that I was going to go get the kids, and I was going to I was going to come back, and we were going to live happily ever after. I'm going home. I have a black eye, busted lip, makeup caked on. Um, when you and I spoke briefly on yesterday, I compared it to if anyone has ever seen that Tina Turner movie, What's Love Got to Do with It? And Tina and Ike had a very big fight in the limousine. And they were in the hotel, and Ike was on the sofa, and then all of a sudden, Tina just got this surge of power, this surge of energy, and she ran up out of there, and there was no turning back. That that was my moment. That was my moment. And I didn't turn. I didn't turn back. We didn't get back together. Um, he didn't. He, he would always find out where I was. And whatever little clothing, pieces of clothing that I did leave behind, he would uh, come to wherever location I was at. Even if, if I was at a friend's house, family member's house, at a cookout, wherever I would be, he would find out where I was, and he would pile my clothes up on the porch, set them on fire, you know, leave some kind of um, – message, you know, that he's going to get me when he catch me, he's going to kill me, you know, all kind of profanity and stuff like that. Um, uh, he's even, he had even kidnapped me. And he said he was going to take me to the cane fields and leave me for dead. And I was terrified. And the only way that I can get out was to jump out of that car. So here it is. The car is going about 40, 45 miles an hour. I jumped out the car Split across the road, um, messed up my breast and my knee, ended up in a uh, ant pile. So here I am running down the street, screaming and hollering, trying to take off and taking off my clothing because the ants are tearing me up. Didn't see him, so, hear from him. <laughs> wow. So, so you gave a new meaning to, you know, to talk about out of the frying pan into the fire. There you were, <laughs> I mean, literally trying to escape for, for your life. Uh, took the great chance jumping out of the car, get skid up, you end up in an ant pile. At that moment, there did you did you feel that you would survive all this? No, I thought he was gonna. I thought he would run me down with his car. Wow! Because he was upset. I can see the fire in his eyes. Amazing, compelling story here. Just one second. We have some callers that are there that are waiting to uh, ask questions and comments. And I, for those of you that are hanging on or might be listening by way of Internet, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you get on, uh, area code 323-784-9638. If you have a question and or comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets us know uh, that you want to get on, and our engineer will get you on tonight. And we will definitely entertain your questions or comments that you may have from ACL uh, tonight. And so if that's you out there, just hit number one on your keypad. We'll get you on tonight. We do have a caller uh, that is on the line, um, ACL, and it may sound like a familiar voice there, but I think they just want to give some encouragement to you. You're on the air tonight, caller, in number 0210. You're on the air. Hey, Jill. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Hey, cousin, what's up? Hey, nothing. What's going on? Nothing much. I, I hear you, girl. Hey. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I'm listening to your story, and, you know, there's a lot of it I don't know because I was gone, gone away to college. Right. And, 
I think that was a good idea that I went away to college. <laughs> In retrospect, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, hey, hey, you know, um, I was their big brother, so a lot of the things that they bring to me, you know, I used to have to fix it. Right. <laughs> so, you were fixed, uh, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Jr. man, so... I think God had a plan for me. You know, he said, Mike, just go on to college. There's a lot of things that went on in my household when we grew up that my grandmother wouldn't even tell me because I was kind of hot-headed as a child, seeing so much as a kid. So um, so I used to have the weight of the world on my shoulders, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. You, was like, you was like our bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to say this, though, Masha. You know, hey, God got a plan for you. You went through a lot. We all been through a lot, but you've been through a lot, and you made it through, man. And I hate it listening to your story, man. I, I mean, I really hate that you had to endure that. But yes. you know, we're a product of um, of of. I, I hate to say this, for lack of a better word, right now, of what we went through as kids in our environment. Yeah. So, you know, once you know better, you do better. And, you know, I love you, and I know for a fact that um, you came a long way, man. I hear it in your talk. I hear it in your conversation. When we mm-hmm. talk, uh, you came, you've came, come a long way, and we still got a long way to go, you know? Amen. So you ain't by yourself, cuz. You know that. <laughs> you know, we family. You, you're my, you my first cousin, but we more like brothers and sisters. Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, something that is so important there, and I really appreciate your comments, Mike, because of the fact, you know, uh, here's something that's very interesting that people may not understand, even with victims of domestic violence. A lot of time, whether it's domestic or sexual violence, there may be a person who's really suffering. And sometimes they elect not to even tell their cousins or family members, father, brothers, or whatever, even if they're right there in the same house. And one yes. reason is because the fact they are afraid of what that individual might do to the very person that may be hurting them. I'll give you a perfect mm-hmm. example inside of things mm-hmm. that oftentimes we even as fathers, meaning very well, you know, meaning well when we're trying to reassure our children, our daughters especially, that if anything, if anybody touch you or bother you, listen here, listen, I'll kill them. I'll, listen, nobody would ever put their hands on you. If anyone ever touch you inappropriately, believe me, I will kill them. They're going to have me the answer to. Well, it depends on the child. Oftentimes they internalize that as a real threat. And so rather mm-hmm. than tell, because they don't, want to, they don't want to see this person killed, they have buried it. And they're buried it inside of their shame, inside of their silence, inside of those things. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to note that oftentimes that is part of the silence. It's because the fact it's not that I can't get help. It's just the fact that I don't want the situation to become worse because now I have a cousin, I have a dad, a brother, uh, someone who's now doing jail time uh, because, in fact, they, uh, they, they killed this individual. And yet it's mm-hmm. still who cannot be upset and angry when they hear about someone being treated with such inhumanity inhumane treatment, and those type of things that, uh, that is really beneath what a human being should ever suffer. So inside of that, one of the best things that we can do, and I hope that all the listeners are listening, we have a full board tonight, uh, you know, that are listening to understand the dynamics of this. One of the greatest things that you can do is reassure that individual that you are there for them. 
begin to try to find ways that you can help inside of those things. And then the other part is, is respect the fact that they might really be literally scared to move forward. But as we've heard tonight, definitely you got to a point here, and this was just about your turning point here, where now you've, you've I mean, you've gone through the, you've gone through the, Abuse. You've gone through jumping out of cars. You've gone through being being, uh, if you would, eaten up by fire ants. And now you're at a place now where this is really the tilting point. And I want you mm-hmm. to get there right after this break here because I want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to hear this. We're going to go to this commercial break, and we'll be right back afterwards. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin. We'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> internet you're probably seeing a series of advertisements please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio by choice to fellowship on facebook is a spiritual drama-free judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies scriptures music prayer worship and fellowship it is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences we welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. I am so glad that tonight has been an investment of great time. 
we are very, very glad to have with us a very special guest tonight, Ms. Macy L. Steele, who has shared and have borne so much of her life, the tragedy of living, being trapped in not only an abusive relationship, not just physically abusive, emotionally abusive, sexually abusive, economically abusive, in every way. If there was a way to be broken, they all were employed on her. And yet it's still she's here tonight to be able to talk about it. The show tonight was entitled Surviving Domestic Violence and Living to Tell About It. And it was very important for this story to be shared. And there are many of you that are out there listening right now. I see it because the boards are filled, and those of you that listen by Internet, and perhaps you've listened to the story up to this point, and you have a question and or comment for Macy L., Perhaps you have something that you'd like to share. I invite you right now uh, to call in, area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. If you're already in on the line listening and you desire to have a question or comment uh, for ACL or myself, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. Go ahead and hit the number one, and that lets our producer know that you're ready to come on the air and you want to say something. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to even give your where you're from. But definitely, we will entertain your question and your comment tonight. So having said that, uh, Macy L., um, here it is. We've gotten to the point where literally you have survived jumping out of cars, and you wasn't even trying to be a stunt uh, daredevil. You were just trying to save your <laughs> life from there. And, 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 and I mean, listen here. Uh, this was uh, – you and I had a talk earlier. I said, now, all this happened B.C., and meaning before Christ, before Amen. before you came to know the Lord. So all this happened in, in B.C. And so now here you are at this stage here, and uh, what happens now? I mean, you've gotten away from him, you've gotten away from the ants, and you're at a place of great decision. What happens at that point? At that point, the, the, the decision was uh, I was not going back. I never went back. That was it for me. I had taken my power back. I had taken my life back. um, And I had the courage to just walk away. But that didn't stop him from, um, he became like a stalker. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, the the very last incident, um, he showed up at my house. he was with one of my cousins, the same cousin that had told him about the guy that worked across the street from my mom's house. And he was just begging and crying and pleading that I come back and be with him, that he missed me, he loved me. And here I am, I'm pushing him off of me and I'm telling him, no, it's over, done. I don't want to be with you anymore because you're crazy, you act like a psycho, you're always beating on me. And he grabbed me by my head. And he bit me in my face. He tried to bite the tip of my nose off. And I still have a scar for it right now. So he began to, uh, I mean, to exhibit almost cannibalistic uh, uh, behavior. Yes. He was so mad. And in, in his mind, he's like, well, if I can't have you, nobody can. And wow. Yeah. For for two weeks I walked around with bandages, my nose was swollen, I had stitches on the you know, around my nose. Um 
it took them a while to catch him. And during this time, while he's um, fleeing from the police, he's still harassing me. Um, Showing I went back to school because he stopped me from going to school. So I went back to school. Um, He would show up at school. He would show up at clubs, you know, wherever he would, you know, has known for me to be or hanging out, he would show up. He would show up. And there was one particular night he showed up and he was like, you going home with me tonight? You know, we're going to have sex. We're going to do this. And I'm like, no, we're not. Um, I was with my sister and some of our brothers. There was a, a large group of us. And I can't remember if he if he hit me or if he threw a drink in my face and he just took off running. The entire crowd took off running behind him. They were they were trying to get him. They were after him. They were so at after this point, him. They they knew of his violent behavior with you in the past. And mm-hmm. for them at this point they've got a chance to see uh that type of behavior up front and they're gonna take care of it. Yeah, they they only got to see the bruises and the scars. Right. And they heard my they heard my stories. Well, I fell, or um, I was outside playing with the kids, something like that. I would always wear makeup to cover up to conceal the black eyes. But they knew it was abuse. They knew it was. They would always be encouraging me to leave, get out. Make sure he gonna kill you. You know, my cousins, my sisters, everybody. Um, he was so controlling and so abusive. I, my grandmother had passed away. I was only allowed to go to the funeral and to the uh, to the cemetery. And after that, I was not allowed to visit with my family for the repast. You know, sit around and we talk and we eat. So I missed that. I wasn't allowed to do that. And he had wow. to drive me, drop me off, and come back and pick me up. So the controlling nature continued for quite a while. And um, you're out of this, and he's now stalking. And by the way, we need to understand sometimes that we need to understand that the gravest period of danger is when a person leaves an abusive relationship and this could have really spelled to be uh, very horrific, but you're out of it, and and um, you've kind of grabbed your power back now. Uh, you're mm-hmm. no longer concerned about the lifestyle because that lifestyle is not more important than than where you are and in, in that place of your life. And and you leave, and you're not dealing with them anymore, and yet it's still he's continuing mm-hmm. to stalk to try to follow and all those things there. How did right. it finally end? When did that finally end after all of that? When did he stop stalking and, and those things? It was that final night when the my the whole crowd that I was with um, chased him. That was it. He knew that wow. he could not win, that it was over. He, from that day, it, it stopped. There was nothing wow. else. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how did you feel when all this happened? And and I and I want to highlight this part here because what people must understand that although the physical abuse had stopped and the mental and emotional abuse had stopped, 
and although there were no more scars for him to put on you physically, would it be safe to say that you still dealt with the 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 emotional scars, the the, the mental scars uh, from this from this uh, long relationship that had been so abusive? Yes, yes. Um, I, I lost uh, confidence in myself. Um, there were times I didn't think uh, I was even worth being with anyone. Um, I think I was pretty because, you know, he would tell me I was ugly and I had, um, I was ugly. I had bad teeth, you know, all kind of stuff, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, he was very verbally, yeah, told me I was worthless. You know, so on the outside, I have this big, bright smile, and I'm bubbly. I'm like a social butterfly. But on the inside, I'm just in so much pain, and I'm fighting against myself, really trying to know who I am, kind of like an identity crisis, because now what I'm used to, I have to go back out in this world and, and teach myself how to live again and to survive without him. That's a very pivotal point that you make, and I, I think for those that are listening tonight and you're listening to Open Healing a Journey to Wholeness, this is your host, J.R. Thickland, and a very special guest, I'm ACL Steele, who have shared a very compelling story about the abuse in which he endured for a number of years. And oftentimes we see out of dysfunctionality, it leads into so many things. There's an old Ashante proverb that says, the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. The place home that shapes our that shapes our thoughts, that shapes our perception of the world as well as ourselves, that place called home that oftentimes gives us our first taste of what it is to be consistent or be protected or to feel secured. But what happens when home is none of those things? What happens when home is uncertain, when home itself is chaos and dysfunctional? What happens when home itself leaves one feeling unprotected, unsured, and one in a mode of survival 24-7? Could it be that those type of dysfunctionalities are the very thing that oftentimes leads one right into the arms of someone who is waiting? Not necessarily with the goodwill in mind, but they're waiting. They're waiting for the next person they can control. They're waiting for the next person they can manipulate. They're waiting. And inside of that, we find ourselves in a place that um, oftentimes for many have caused them their life. You went on an incredible journey inside of your life with this individual, and you said something that was so compelling here just a few minutes ago. You talked about once you were completely out, you had to relearn. You had to relearn. You had to regain. You had to regain yourself, regain your sense of worth and confidence, because long before he ever beat you up, he had beaten you down with his words. And much Mm -hmm. longer afterwards, after you're no longer in it, he was still trying to beat you down with with his words. And those words have a way of sticking to our soul. They have a way of sticking to who we are, and it shapes our perception. But thanks be to God, I could say, Maciel, that you have overcome a lot. You've come out of it. You've turned pain into power. And and, and, and if you don't mind, with the few minutes that we have left, we have about 20, maybe 23 minutes left in broadcast time. But, you know, perhaps you would like to share with the audience, you know, that even once you were out of it, 
how was it going through the readjustment, finding yourself, you know, finding a way to trust anyone again? What was that process like? Um, it was kind of scary at times. And uh, I found myself um, going from relationship to relationship. There were, you know, a string of bad relationships, abusive relationships, um, just trying to find my place where I fit in. Um, I turned to drugs at one point to try to mask the pain. Uh, which led into like a twenty year addiction, which was self abuse so right, right. Um, i was it was a it was a wow it was a wow I can say even now it's still a work uh within myself of, of who I believe that I am um and it, it's a constant work. You, yeah, it, it's, it's a, a fight constant every work. Day. It's a fight every day. Um, one thing that I, one thing that I did take from all the abuse is the the first sign of it. If any, it could be any little thing, you know, as far as one minute they're cool, you know, the mood swings, and it was one minute you're relaxed and you're cool, and then one minute, the next minute you're so angry. That you're grinding your teeth or you you you're clenching your hands and over something so simple as a parking spot, you know, I'll cut ties with those kind of people in an instant. There was no need for us to continue even communicating because that's gonna get even worse sooner or later. You're gonna be abusing me. You know, there's so much that that when you when you talk about that, and and that is what's so real tonight. And and I trust those of you that are listening tonight, and you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight on this edition of uh, of Hope and Healing. And as we deal with the fact of um, you know uh, basically you know surviving domestic violence and living to tell about it, and, and Macy Al, you've shared something so important, and I, I thank you for your transparency. I thank you for not sugarcoating it. I thank you for uh, bringing forth the reality that it is that you know for many they say just get out of it. Well, mm-hmm. which time getting out of it? When we say which time getting out of it is that the fact that get out getting out of it is not one single act. Getting out of no. it is not cannot be accomplished with one single act. It can't even be accomplished with just I, I left the state, I left the city, I left everything behind. Getting out of it is a process. It's a process that even after the physical abuse have stopped, the mental abuse that is in uh, that 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 is being um, perpetrated, even after that has stopped, it is still dealing with all of those things. It is trauma. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. It's dealing with the fact of those things that that leaves you empty, that leaves you scarred, that leaves you looking for something to fill that void, that mm-hmm. something to self-medicate yourself. You know. How now that I'm out of this, how can I escape the pain from it? 
Now that I'm free right. from the beatings and the scars, but how can I escape the pain of the memories of it? How can I escape the pain of the distrust for any for anyone else? How can I escape that? And and it is not unusual that many do turn to substance abuse trying to find that answer inside of that. But you found a greater answer. Eventually, you went through all of this and you found a greater answer to be part of your anchor, and to be that anchor that have held that have helped you to stay. Uh, strong and continue to grow stronger. And that has been something so important in your life from what you've shared with me. And I I guess my question to you tonight, as we are still taking calls, if you'd like to have something to say or comment or question uh, for Maciel, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. That is how you reach us, and definitely she will take your call tonight. Uh, Any question or comment that you might have, but I, I want to get to this part that I think is so important. Let me ask you a question here in, inside of this, because this, this we talk about all this happened B.C. in your life before Christ. And, mm-hmm. and, and yet it's still, you know, there are many people right now that are suffering domestic violence, and they're members of the church. They go to, right. they go to places of worship. Many of them are in relationship and even married with people that are position holders in the church. My question for you is this. What would you say to our audience as far as about the importance for the church, the faith community, to to be educated inside of domestic violence and to to be advocates inside of uh, uh, stopping domestic violence? What would you say? What message would you have for the church and faith leaders about the necessity of domestic violence empowerment and training? Um, it, it's a need to know. Everyone needs to be educated on it, educated on the signs, um, um, the, the resources, how to how to put a plan in place, you know, because you need a plan to have these people strategically removed out of this environment because if they're control of, controlling and very abusive, it's not going to be easy. Um they need a support system. Um, they need to be, everyone should be trained on what to say. Um, be, be be sensitive to the situation because the more you say, well, you don't need to do this and you don't need to do that and he's this and he's that, um, you're kind of, it, it, it comes off more as a threat of you taking away um for me like my stability um my my needs were being met so for you to say i need to leave this you don't know what goes on in my house you know um not always pointing the finger be more of a listener uh less talking and more listening just really listening that is very important. I think that is very great advice there. And we have some callers that are on the line that uh, have a question they'd like to ask. And if you're listening tonight and with the, uh, uh, I think with about the 13 minutes that we have left, if you have a question or a comment, we'd like to get you on the air. Erico, 323 784 
area code 323-784-9638. If you'd like to have a question or comment, please hit number one on your keypad after you've dialed in. If you're on the air, hit number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight uh, as we are about ready to wind down with our very special guest, Ms. Macy L. Still. And I'm going to get a caller on the air, a caller number ending in 6673. Yes. Good evening. You're on the air. Hope and healing, a journey of wholeness. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Yes, you have a question or a comment. Yes. Yes, this is Gail Gardner. How are you, Rev? Hey, Gail. Um, I'm doing great. So hi. glad to have you on tonight. Yes, I, I'm so glad. I, I really uh, wanted to hear um, what was going on, especially now. And this is, um, I hate to use the term season, but actually domestic violence is seven, you know, days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So we we really um, need to dig our heels in. But I also want to uh, commend my sister, um, Michelle, if that's how you say, pronounce the name? Yes, Michelle. Okay, darling, I'd love that. That's beautiful. I really want to commend you for your your bravery and uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable where you can share some very intimate details with the public. Um, because it it's really um, takes the strength and the courage. And I have been um, talking about, and you brought it, uh, gave the example uh, today on Facebook, I've been posting, um, and I posted the question, separation abuse, uh, which we know is, really, is financial abuse. And I believe that you have mentioned that how you liked the things, and he knew what you liked. Um, yeah. that, fin- that financial piece was there. And mm-hmm. knowing that you could have something new every day, um, it, it kind of brings a a, uh, a veil to what the real situation is, the real problem. And I have women who come to to me um, regarding counseling survivors who actually say that they would have left a long time ago, but the the, the finances would have been wrecked. And even if they didn't put he didn't put their hands on them, the fact that um, that he would threaten them with uh, financial abuse or separation, uh, with separation abuse, and then there tend to be a little different. Usually, separation abuse is based on finances, um, but it's also, uh, even if it's not based on finances, it's the fear of what will happen if um, these some things are, are are put in place, um, and and how it's hard it is. So I can hear from your testimony. Of how uh, you you found yourself like not wanting him to go to jail, you know, just the fact that yes. you couldn't leave him, you couldn't go, and if he went to jail, that meant that he was going to come back with a vengeance. Yes. So, yeah, and, and and I feel your heart, sweetheart. It, it's um, it's something that people were wondering, well, why don't you just leave? You know, why she just don't get out? I don't have, I heard somebody say, I don't have any pity for people to just say, and I said, baby, you don't understand. And, yes. and people don't understand unless they're in those shoes, they're walking in, mm-hmm. in your Absolutely. shoes. Absolutely. Uh, yes, Absolutely. They, don't have, they don't have a clue. So please know that people are, uh, we want people to feel the compassion and, and maybe not if we have the experience, but ask God to touch their hearts 
where they will be um, open to hearing and more and receiving what the uh, we're making people aware and not just making them aware, but in t- taking in what they hear and what they see and may mm-hmm. your Absolutely. testimony go even further. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Gail Gardner. Uh, thank you so very much. Gail uh, sharing has been a guest also on the show, uh, doing great work there in the greater central Florida area there in Orlando. Thanks always for joining us, Gail. We have another caller also that's on the line. Uh, caller number ending at 3694. We want to say to you good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey of wholeness. You're on the air. You're on the airway with us. You're on the air. Caller? From the greater Jacksonville area, look like area code 904. Caller, are you there? Hello? Number in, yes, you're on the air. Hi, yes. My name is Pamela Hubbard, and I attend uh, church with Michelle. And, oh, okay, um, Pamela. Hey. <laughs> hey. It was, it's an honor to hear her story, and as well she knows my story. And yes. And it's more than amazing how she came out, and she don't look like what she's been through. And I just mm-hmm. did, I just say thank God and just good, and encourage her to continue to run the Amen. race to finish the race. Absolutely. Now, Pastor Thickly, um, Pam, uh, my sister here, Pamela, she has a very powerful testimony as well. And I spoke to her um, earlier today, and I told her, that I would like for her to be a guest here also to share her story. It's 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 very powerful. And um We welcome that. Were... We welcome that with Pamela. We you'll definitely make sure we uh get Pamela our number and love to have yes. you on this month here for our, our show here, Hope and Healing. Yeah, yes. it will be an honor to change one life. That's an important yes. that's an important task. Yes. Absolutely. I, I would Absolutely. always wonder I would always wonder why she would be praising God so hard. Like, I was like, is it that serious? You know, my first time uh, encountering her. And and, uh, one night um, I came to a women helping women service at our church, and she was Mm -hmm. a speaker, and I heard her testimony. I said, my God, that is why. That is why. One of the things that are so important inside of this, and I often say this, and to all of you that are listening tonight, and I often say this, and this is the fact that God has a way of turning our pain into power. And many times when we're going through our wilderness experience, and we all have wildernesses in our lives, but see, I believe this, is that your wilderness is always a part of what God uses to make you kingdom ready. I think that this part of being wilderness proven makes you kingdom ready. And the fact that you've been proven inside the wilderness, it makes you kingdom ready to be able now to proclaim a message. It was after Jesus came out of the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights, after he had been tempted of the devil, and the Bible declared that out of everything that the enemy done, and guess what? They said, and then he left him for a season. But after he Mm -hmm. left him for a season, the next thing we hear Jesus say is that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel. And I'm saying to you that so often that when we've come out of our wilderness, when we've gone through the wilderness experience, when we have been wilderness proven, now we are kingdom Mm -hmm. ready. 
Jesus yeah, came out of the wilderness it. experience, being tempted of the enemy, and guess what? He was then kingdom ready to say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel. And that is what's happening. And that is one of the reasons that I like to say that it's so important that even inside of the faith community, and inside of the church, it is so important that we grab a greater hold on this issue of domestic violence. We can't run from it, put it up under a bushel, because we've been called to be the light of the world. We cannot water it down because we've been called to be the salt of the earth. And so we have yes. to confront it for where it is. And as a church, we must have to understand that for many victims of domestic violence, their pain has been waiting to be transferred to power. And for them, many of them, they have a key in their mouth inside of their experience that will help liberate other victims of domestic violence. But not only that. I believe that when the church breaks its silence, I believe that there are people that are sitting in the pews that may be abusive. But I believe that there's conviction that can come to them if the church is willing to stand up and say, not in this house. I believe Amen. that it's very important that, that churches must understand that when it comes to this issue of domestic violence, it is a serious issue. It's an issue that is, is, is serious enough that even, as I've said before, that, that it is a, it's a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Because, in fact, when we come through it, when we come through all that we've gone through, we must understand this is a very, very pivotal area for us to minister inside of. And so I salute you both. I salute many that are out there today that are listening. There are those that suffer in silence. There are those that are embarrassed by what they've gone through. But I'm telling you that, listen, that when God restores and brings you out, he brings you out better than before. And he will bring you out, and I believe that, that you're wilderness proven and your kingdom ready. And why is that so important? I'll tell you why it's important. It is important because when it's all said and done, and I like to say it again, Jesus came from after all of that, fasting 40 days a night, being tempted of the enemy out there in the wilderness. But when it was all said and done and, 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 and Satan departed from him for a season, he goes on to say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me. The word anointed means that he has given me a specific enablement of power and strength to perform a specific task. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Who? Poor in heart, poor in spirit, poor in faith. He has sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted. You tell me one victim of domestic violence that have not been brokenhearted. You tell me one victim of domestic violence that have not experienced heartbreak. Not only did he, he anoint him and send him to heal the brokenhearted, but watch this. He, he also having to preach deliverance to the captive. Deliverance, freedom, liberation to the captive. What do you mean captive? Oh, I heard you say, Maciel, the time that he had you in the house, locked up, you couldn't go anywhere. You was captive. Many victims of domestic violence are held captive inside of their situation. They've been held in captivity. And we as ministers of the gospel can't see that domestic violence was as much part of the ministry as what Jesus was talking about. Not only that, he's talking about to, to uh, a deliverance of those that was captive, but he said the recovering of sight to the blind, those that have lost their way who no longer could see, those that have lost their way finding themselves stumbling through darkness. I believe that when we have been kingdom, when we have been wilderness proven, we come back kingdom ready, and I believe that's important. But last but not least, he also said to set at liberty them that are bruised. You gave many reference about the fact that you dealt with bruises all over your body, 
not only the black eyes, but all the other things. There are many people that are, are, are bruised. They're battered. They're bruised. They're bruised with wounds that we can't see. And because of those things there, it is incumbent upon us as a church and as a people of faith community to not only become involved, but I believe that every pastor, every church in this month, if not another month, should have a sermon, should speak out against domestic violence from the pulpit. Our communities are torn by violence. Our families are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. It is incumbent mm-hmm. upon us to respond to the violence, and it begins even in the house of God because there are those that they are suffering, and they're suffering in silence, and no one has heard their voice. No one knows yes. their name. There are those that have come to church, and guess what? They're wearing the mask. They're wearing the mask because they can't be transparent. They're wearing the mask because no one is listening. They're wearing a mask because guess what? We can't be just we just can't fall apart at church and that's the one place that we should be able to fall apart. So we've learned to wear masks and not be transparent. But I believe today, tonight, because of courage of individuals like yourself, that there are those that will take off the mask and understand that they could be naked before God, that they could they could come just as they are, lay their burdens on the altar of God. And I believe that where they've been bruised, God will heal them. I believe Amen. that where they've been battered, that he will He will deliver them. And I believe that in this day and time that there is a responsibility that we all have. And that is to understand that domestic violence is generational. It impacts not only this generation, but the generation after it, and the generation after it. Because if you want to stop abuse, you've got to get back into the home and the lives of people. The ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. Until mm-hmm. we go back to a place to understand that what love is is not about abuse. It's not about intimidation. It's not about power control. It's not about those things. And until the mm-hmm. church will begin to preach out and stand up against those things, until we stop and say this and understand this, that it's so important that this is an issue here that goes beyond. Unfortunately, domestic violence is one of those things that people are able to go to church and still shout, about, shout, shout around and act as if it's not happening. But I challenge each and every one of you today to stand up and to speak out against this social of domestic violence. Macy L. Still, I thank you. I salute you. We all are indebted to you today for your courage, your strength, and sharing with this audience that is reaching across the globe. We have people that are accessing this broadcast from around the world, not just uh, here in the United States, from around the world. And so we want to just say thank you once again. Let's give our hands for all that she's done tonight. Thank you so very much for sharing with us on tonight. And I don't want to end. I know that we're running out of what we call radio time, but I do have another caller that wants to say something, number ending in 5432, and I'm going to get them on before we end. Okay. Caller, you're on the air. My name is Cedric. Yes, sir. My name is Cedric. I just want to tell Miss Shiel that you know I'm real proud of her and her story. Touch a lot of lot of people. So keep doing the good work. Absolutely. Thank you so very Amen. much. And thank you for the encouragement. That means a lot in terms of that. Thank you so very much tonight. Well, on that note, we're we're actually out of time. They told me I have ten seconds left. 
But until <laughs> next time, I want you to know that you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor to join us here every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe. Until that time, remember, there is no excuse for domestic violence. And guess what? If you're in it, you can come out of it, and God can Amen. turn your pain into power. Yes. Thank you so very much for joining us on the night. Thank you again. And we're closing in three, two, one. Thank you again tonight. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.